Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 14 of Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast. What it is! What it is. That was going to be my new, um, <laughs> my new opening like gambit for the show. I like it. Man. What it is. It's better than, hello there. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did for about 10 shows on the banks. Oh, but, uh, yeah. yeah, welcome to the number one, UK's number one comedy boxer podcast. Yeah. With, Might be the uh, world's biggest for all I know. But um, I'd say it probably is. Oh, I don't think there are still any others. But, uh, yeah, so uh, to Just... all you regular listeners, welcome back. And to all you uh, new fellows. Yeah. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> what it is. There you go. And it's a bit of a change. It's no longer Sam McGurl. Not sponsoring the show this week, no. No, because the off-licence at the end of my road was out of it. <laughs> so, uh, so I've had to get Peroni. Which I don't like quite as much, I'll be honest. But uh, Yeah, it's apparently it's very popular these days. Italian. But, uh, anyway, yeah, welcome to the UK's number one comedy boxing podcast, if you like... Uh, Random and nonsense, and it's a packed show coming oh, up yeah, this week. Really I'm gonna packed. say, so we packed. Got... We're gonna, um, we're gonna have to do an, uh, we're gonna have to do back to back shows again. We'll do oh, one yeah, next yeah. week, absolutely, which will be uh, fantastic. But uh, we got Russian mafia, we got <laughs> insane, <laughs> insane Russian. There's a packed and energetic show coming up. That's so, good. um, right, normally what we do is wait to the end before we give out like our Twitter uh details and stuff like that. But um, I'm going to give like a shout-out to a couple of our uh, listeners. One is uh, Tommy Murphy, who was um, giving us a retweet on uh, Twitter, which was very kind of him. And another one, Phil Smith, who uh, got us a retweet from Paulie Ballard Manchi. Really? Yeah, which is very, very cool. You never told me about that. Yeah, recommended the show highly, so um, that was very, very cool. But um, oh. anyway, yeah, that'll do for the introduction, so uh, we'll crack on with oh, our... I was just... Yeah, oh. all right. I was just... Well... <laughs> <laughs> God, you do seem energised today, don't you? Um... No, no. <laughs> That's it. You're throwing me right off. <laughs> Crack on with the show. All right, well, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I was, what I was going to do before... Before I interrupted and... Yeah, <laughs> and then I got really thrown out. I just, I was going to backtrack on my uh, Twitter comments that I made on my last show where I said, we're not interested in it, we don't want any... <laughs> Since we got Paulie on board, I'm, I'm going back but, on uh, myself. Bang into it. I love the thing. I mean, I still haven't got, still haven't got around to checking it yet, but it is definitely on a, on my list of things to do. <laughs> get it done for the end of the really year. well, yeah. Anyway, we're moving on now to the general nonsense section of the show, yeah? So, uh, I guess that this one isn't even that much of a, of a nonsense. No, but, um, this is actual boxing. proper proper boxing news. But uh, so the unbeaten George Groves, who um, is coming up uh, against uh, the IBF WBA super middleweight champion Carl Froch, superstar, and uh, he said he's going to give Froch such a beating next month, he's going to have to retire. He's going to have to. <laughs> Froch is going to have to retire from the he's beating just, he's going to get. He's just trying to wind him up, though, isn't he? That's uh, what people, you got to read between the lines, baby. <laughs> read between the lines. So was, they did a face to face, like a face off thing on oh, was it Sky or whatever. Yeah, I like saw the build it, up. And uh, so they're sitting down. You can see Froch is clearly agitated. He doesn't like. He's trying to because he loves giving that kind of trash talk. And he loves uh, talking a bit of nonsense. And uh, so he turns around to so the guy, asks him a question like, "Oh, how do you think? Uh, do you do you believe that?" Uh, uh, Groves is like any chance of winning. And yeah. he goes, listen, I believe, I believe that he believes in his heart of hearts, <laughs> yeah, that he can that he can win. But I know for a fact that when he goes to bed at night, yeah, he doesn't think he can win. <laughs> and Groves looks at him and goes, what? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. That is quite a contradiction. I mean, it's the way they get Froch clearly look back and it's like, oh, oh, I know, did that make no sense? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... Clearly, it was uh, one of those fine things where yeah, I think you've met your match. George Groves yeah. is clearly better at I, I <laughs> head watched, on trash. I watched something on YouTube. It was that same clip, and it was really, it was really good. It was a whole sort of interview. I think if you look it up, you should be able to find it. It was posted fairly recently. It's about a like twenty to thirty minute clip on YouTube, and it's got some funny exchanges between the two. Yeah. It's got Eddie Hearn comes in, sits down in between them. He's really stirring it up. They, they introduce it as a Halloween night special, and they're all like, "Oh, it's getting dangerous in here." And you're just thinking, Frotch just looks pissed off. <laughs> Eddie Hearn's stirring it. He's going, "Oh, it's getting really naughty in it." <laughs> he's, he's going, "I can feel the tension. It's building up in it." He's king of the promoters. He is. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, does Frotch strike you as having a sense of humour? Oh. <laughs> I was never heard him laughing at No, I think his idea of a sense of humour is uh, like smashing people in the face. <laughs> Might well be, but, uh... but yeah, anyway, they went on, and Carl Foch is saying, You, George Groves, are the only person in the world who thinks you can win this fight. 
99% of of everybody else, <laughs> which, which again doesn't really quite make sense, um, knows that you're just going to get destroyed. And then they cut to um, this is something to check out tomorrow night on Sky. Um, they're doing a, a suit, a middleweight gloves are off where they get in. They've got four middleweights in. They've got Darren Barker, Matt Macklin, Andy Lee, and um, who's the other? Martin Murray. Martin Murray. They've got them in and. If you haven't seen the gloves are off, the there's a brilliant one, the super middleweights where they're getting Eubank, Collins, um, Ben, Roy Jones Jr. No, Ben's not in it. Oh yeah, I'm back up um, Richie Woodall and I. Oh, it's fantastic. It's like an hour long. Because Steve Collins is out of his mind. Yeah, and <laughs> Eubank just he's on fire. But um, <laughs> it's definitely worth uh, checking out. But anyway, there's one airing tomorrow, and on it they gave a little sneak preview, and they showed they asked those four. Uh, Darren Barker, Matt Macklin, Andy Lee, yeah. and Martin Murray, who they thought was going to win, and it was fifty-fifty. Now, oh. half of them said Frotch, and the other, I'm thinking it was Andy Lee and Matt M- Macklin. I think no, Andy Lee and Martin Murray. I think went for um, went for Groves. They gotta be friends with him though, because he Darren Barker's good friends with. Uh, that's what I think. I, I, I think really just... like George Groves, but he doesn't stand that much of a chance. I gotta say. At least I didn't think it's so. Not when you listen to Andy Lee explain it. <laughs> <laughs> the old charm of the Irish mate. Yeah, he convinced us. I was like, oh yeah, no, I think I think uh, I think Groves can get the job done. <laughs> but if you listen to Groves, he's saying, I'm definitely gonna knock you out, I promise you this. And you just think, no, it's, it's really, mind game. He doesn't think that. He's just trying to wind and he is winding. He does winding. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, he's picked a great uh, target. <laughs> Frotch, it doesn't take much to wind that man up, but, but anyway. Uh, we're going to see some live boxing, uh, myself and Richard, and uh, a friend of mine from work. Oh, yeah. So uh, on the what is it, the 28th of November, in a couple of weeks' time, we're off to your call to see, uh, I think it's um, one of my friends, he uh, does uh, boxing training. Yeah. And it's his uh, trainer, and uh, he's got a skinny, kind of big, muscly, tough guy. And uh, anyway, I think he's fighting for like maybe like the London Area Masters title or something oh, like right. that. And uh, anyway, last we're going along. And, um, down in were, Bethnal Green? Down in Bethnal Green, in your call, the sixth greatest boxing venue in the world according to their website I would have said the first and uh I was going to say that, uh, yeah, yeah, any listeners out there, you want to get tickets and come on down, I'm sure you can just go onto the website and uh, try and find some, but that'd be loads of fun we'll be, uh, we'll be holding up a great big um, what, what banner? I was going to say foam finger <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to pick a boxer I was pick a good boxer a Vander Holyfield. Sugar Shane Mosley. Oh, that would be good. I could wear my Sugar Shane t-shirt. Yeah, you can do that. That would be cool. But uh, anyway, I'll crack on the bit of uh, box news. So, um, Box the... news or boxing? Boxing news. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, American heavyweight Deontay Wilder, with his perfect record of uh, 30 uh, wins and 30 KOs. And basically, he said he wants to next year. sees like a big possible fight between himself and Tyson Fury. Oh. And uh, says it's basically going to be like inevitable in the future and he really fancies his chances. Yeah. Which... I, about two weeks ago, I watched his last fight against this a guy called Nikolai Fertha. Oh, yeah. Who, I've got to say, for just a overweight, <laughs> unhappy man <laughs> who definitely shouldn't have been standing in a boxing ring getting punched yeah. in the face. Like... You see, I I really don't know where to stand on Deontay Wilder because you every opponent you look at and you just think, who is this guy? <laughs> Apart from Audley Harrison. Oh, absolutely. With him, that was genuine. Genuine shock up. <laughs> but, uh, no, but every opponent you look at it, but then again, he does absolutely smash him out of the park. And he, boy, boy, can that guy hit. Okay. He proper unloads, throws his whole body weight. All right, you chuck him in there against a real, someone like Klitschko, he's just not going to stand a chance. But I just wonder, has he, is he got that much power where he can genuinely cause any other fighter real danger uh, or is it just a case that he's got a padded record where he's fighting these fat I think chumps? it's more the latter it's um I'll put it this way that against someone who's more technical because he throws big punches but the big wild swinging like windmill type of stuff yeah. so uh, I think against someone more technical yeah that guy's not going to be um, knocking them out but uh, talking about technical boxers I suppose that uh, Ricky Burns yeah is uh, said he's planning for a rematch against Raimundo Beltran for uh, February 2014. I ask you, is, there, is that a, just a terrible, terrible idea? Because that's the way I see it. Well, I can't see the, the outcome of that being different from the first. Oh, I can. Definitely. I don't know. Even, I granted I'll got tell a, like, you a broken why. Tool, but I... Yeah, exactly. And Ricky Burns, the first couple of rounds, he was all over him. Uh, 
He was. He was all over him. And I didn't realise at the time that he got a broken jaw, but I don't know. I mean, I I think it's the right thing for Burns to do because he, he didn't deserve to win that fight. Or, yeah. or draw. He didn't deserve to get a, a split decision. The gentlemanly thing to do, we'll say. Yeah, so I think... But also, he's he's a fighting, proud man, and mm-hmm. he's going to want to prove that, look, I was I got through hell in there with a broken jaw, mm-hmm. I want to prove that when I'm fully fit and I don't have a broken jaw, I've got the skills and ability to to take him out. And okay. I don't see why, why he wouldn't. Is it going to be as good as Sylvester Stallone versus Robert De Niro? <laughs> it's in cinemas now, people. Go out and just look up Grudge Match. That's it. Yeah. Just when you thought Rocky was going to come up against <laughs> Jake LaMotta. That's a fight that everyone wanted to see. So um, this is in the cinemas. Who directed I've no idea who directed oh, I don't it. Know. But um, anyway, yeah, it's coming out in... This Stallone, for a man who's 65 years old, that dude is jacked up on so many steroids. Oh, yeah. He is ripped. And Bobby De Niro looks like a 65-year-old fat Robert De Niro. Maybe yeah. he's not closer to 70 now. That guy is getting on. Yeah, I'd say he's much closer to 70. <laughs> the plot line of the film, two uh, retired boxers. Yeah, two retired boxers ridiculous. who what, fought each other like four years ago, and now they're coming back to have one big grudge match. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> anyway, I was tempted to come, once I saw the trailer, to run back to the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you and me have, have, different, have different views on that. Two outside waiting. But uh, talking, about, um, <laughs> talking about boxers in uh, films, Paulie Mal and Ajim, who oh, yeah. we I love. I've something about boxing and film as well. And uh, this one's fantastic. Anyway, Paulie is a star. He got like a lead role. Friend of the show, Paulie. Friend of the show, Paulie. <laughs> uh, he got a lead part in a film called Omerta, The Act of Silence. This oh, kind of mafia. Omerta, yeah, that's a the, Italian. Yeah, there's kind of mafia. Uh, it's like a bit of a boo movie, I guess. But um, anyway, I was looking up online after I heard about it. And uh, do you know who Joe Estevez is? Is it Emilio's brother? It's Emilio's uncle. Brother oh, of wow. Martin. That's even better. Okay, so that guy's in it, and uh, Joe Estevez is a bit of a, we'll say, like a cult figure in uh, kind of films or whatever. Anyway. Oh, just, what's he been in? I've never seen him. The most interesting fact about him. that uh, He's oh, never been in any film that anybody's he's in. A, he's in Apocalypse Now. Really? Yeah. Where in Apocalypse Now, you're asking? Um, you know the voiceover that's done by Martin Sheen? Yeah. Yeah, well, Martin Sheen, three months into the film, and had a heart attack because he oh, was yeah. getting so much blood. I blown. remember that, yeah. Yeah. He got taken out, and... Uh, the director came over and said, listen, we need someone to do the voice. Joe Estevez sounds exactly <laughs> like his brother. Like, he's dead on. You can just, like, hear interviews. Yeah. And so he just came over and said, would you mind doing the voiceover? So the voiceover in Apocalypse Now is all his brother. Oh, that's the best bit about that. Film. Yeah. <laughs> so Martin Sheen's been a fraud all these years. His best piece of work wasn't even fucking him. It was... The that's, wizard- like, that's like an, in Men at Work when there's Charlie and Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. There is a film with all... Emilio's definitely the stronger of the two. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's always been yeah. the stronger of the two. But uh, the reason I know that I heard that story, basically, you can type this into uh, YouTube or whatever, just Joe Estevez tells an incredible story. That's what that's the title of the video. Oh, okay. So it's like, absolutely, lay that on me. Yeah. Sit down and watch. And it's, it's him sitting up on the, this dais with... Um, like a host of a show and it's like clearly like this cheap looking kind of studio and it's at first I thought it was like a film interview thing but it clearly wasn't it was something to do with like AA because uh, he comes up on stage and he starts telling that story about uh, uh, Coppola and being in Apocalypse Now yeah. and then uh, every time it just cuts to the audience he goes listen this was back in the day when I was like a massive alcoholic I was drinking every day I was even on Apocalypse Now I was hammered all the time drinking and it cuts to the crowd and Clearly, the show wasn't popular, whatever it is. It might be like an internet show, but they had to fill it up with people. And so the host of the show just went out and got people either off, off the, the street, street yeah. or more specifically, I'm, I'm not saying this to be funny, but there must have been eight or ten like kids with like Down syndrome sitting in the audience. Oh, right. Which, it, so you have this actor up on stage telling the story about, oh, yeah, I worked with like one of the greatest directors of all time. It cuts to the crowd, and there's just kids with Down syndrome sitting there. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, we don't know what's going on. Look that up. probably thought he was... Drinking at that then. It's one of the strangest videos I've ever seen. Type in <laughs> Joe Estevez tells incredible stories. Okay, I'm going to look that up. That is, uh, while we're on the subject of Apocalypse now, um, if you want to hear more about Martin Sheen's heart attack on that, look up a documentary called Heart of Darkness, which oh. is all about the making of that film, which is almost as good as the actual film. It is brilliant. Um, and uh, Francis War Goblin is the world's greatest wife. Right, let's 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 pull it back to <laughs> Paulie Malignaggi. Have you seen the trailer for his... Own I writer? did. I watched it when I was coming up Good. Here. Oh, it's... So good. He does have the world's greatest acting ability. But he makes but... up for it with 
facial charisma. I would have said it's more. It was maybe just a bad trailer. There's a chance he might That's just. That's probably what it was. Bad trailer. Go out there, watch the real thing. Go <laughs> um, <laughs> the final, the final um, boxing-related Hollywood film is I heard that Bernard is going to star as himself in a new Hollywood film. Oh. Yeah, plays an alien from outer space who terrorises the public <laughs> with age-defying athletics. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, we'll come into that in a little bit because uh, why did he? <laughs> he said that's his new. He's, he's got rid of B Hop and he's got rid of the execute executioner when ages ago, but his now nickname is the Alien. It doesn't suit him, <laughs> and it makes it incredibly strange when he comes into the ring. I have to say, but uh, yeah, but we'll come on to that in the, the second where we're previewing the fights. But first, yeah. let's talk about, <laughs> while we're on the subject of Bernard Hopkins, his recent uh, claim that um, a fight between him and Floyd Mayweather is a possibility. And that he's discussed the idea with powerful people in boxing. <clears throat> you know, 48-year-old. He's, um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he claims that no one else is going to beat Floyd. And he may well have a point, but I'm not sure if he can do it. He hasn't got a... He can't lose that much weight, and Floyd isn't going to put on, like, a stone to go up and fight Well, him. he says Floyd would have to step up to, like, one... He said, Bernard claims he can make a... What was it? He said, like, one, one... He'd have to come down to, like, 160. Yeah. Yeah, he's not... I yeah, don't, of course he can. Not from... He's not yeah, at least, like... Of course he can, mate. No hope in hell. But, uh, well, talking mate, about, like... that's... <laughs> all he needs is another 100,000 <laughs> people out there telling him he's got no hope in hell. And I guarantee you he'll make that weight. Well, I was going to say, moving up and down in rates, that um, Nathan Cleverly, so after he got a uh, recently... What's that? A few months back, got a beat up by Sergei Kovalev back in um, August. Oh yeah, and he claimed that he might be retiring altogether. Yeah, so he changed his mind, and now he's come back and said, rather than staying at light heavyweight where he was before, now he's going to be fighting at the end of uh, this month in November, fighting in London uh, against I don't know some um, guy I've never heard of before. But he's moved up to cruiserweight. Oh, that doesn't sound like a what good idea. What I don't idea. understand is if you got beaten up yeah. by a guy who's do you know what I mean? The yeah, same yeah, way yeah. as you. Yeah, surely if you're getting knocked out in devastating fashion, surely if anything you think, oh, maybe I should take a step down. Because he's not the type of guy who's going to pack on a little muscles. He's thin, his frame, he's got <clears throat> the widest shoulders man's ever seen. <laughs> but, uh, well, maybe not... that's why. Maybe you'll fill out better. Maybe you'll be able to take a shot more and be healthier. <sighs> in, oh, yeah, but he never seemed to have that, that much... That guy he fought was a bit of a brute, though. Yeah, he was. But he's never had like trouble making the weight in the first place, so I don't think it's going to be... Well, he knows best, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> that's true, right. There's, I'll, let me uh, move on to something. There's, we're going to talk about a fight coming up later on the show when we preview the um, up-and-coming big ones. So, at the, in a, about a week's time, there's a heavyweight called uh, Alexander Ustinov. He's going to be fighting uh, David Chua. Any relation to Peter? Uh, he might be. No, I don't think he is. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I read this on... There's a New Zealand. There's a newspaper called the New Zealand Herald. All right. And I, so Yusnov, he's a Russian boxer, and his record is like 27 wins. He's only got the one loss. And um, anyway, he was in New Zealand, uh, coming off of this Tua fight, and so like the reporter came over and uh, met him, and uh, he said Yusnov doesn't speak any English, so they knew he was like a big crackling. They had like a translator. Yeah. Who clearly the guy from the New Zealand Herald fancied. You can tell that because he writes it in his columns. <laughs> the translator is really good looking. <laughs> so, anyway, he just, These are the kind of details I want to know. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, basically, he described uh, <laughs> not, He has a big, sweet face, a big, happy moon face, and a big, great laugh. You think, nice, right? Read on, read on. <laughs> so he said, the reporter turns around and goes, Yeah, mate, I heard this story that uh, something about you getting into a knife fight with nine Russian mafia, and uh, they end up stabbing you, but you know, you just kept on fighting and beat the shit out of all nine of them. <laughs> So you're thinking, I oh, that's I love that type of Someone's story. Someone's been hanging out with Freddie Roach. Exactly. Someone's talking bollocks. And uh, your man comes around and goes, oh, he starts laughing. Goes through the translator. He goes, no, no, it wasn't like a uh, mafia guys. But um, I was at a bar. There was some random girl, some kind of stranger, and there was like a big group of lads just start like saying whatever kind of shit to her. So your man says, listen, they're saying some negative comments. I had to step into defender, and it's like, yeah, it's true. I did get stabbed. I was like, all right. He goes, yeah, it just bounced off my rib. <laughs> I go, so otherwise it could have been pretty serious, but, um, you know, I had to, you know, just, you know, take care of business. He had a knife bounce off his rib. Yeah, bounced off his rib. So it was like, oh my God, that's incredible. And he goes, and then the translator speaks to, like, Houstonoff, uh, goes, okay, yeah, what he's saying is, <laughs> he was quite badly injured. Because the guy literally stabbed him. Yeah, just, yeah, like, there's the a fair bit of muscle in between that. Absolutely. But, uh, I mean, Houstonoff, previously, before he became a boxer, was like a uh, world kickboxing champion. Right. He's six foot eight, weighs 21 stone. I mean, this guy's an absolute... unit. Yeah, this guy's a beast. And um, anyway, he went to hospital 
So he's in there that night. The next morning, he still gets surgery. He gets a call from his Russian uh, kickboxing trainer. He oh, goes, right. listen, we've got the European Championships coming up in a couple of months. Can you just check yourself out of hospital? Because you have to come back and train. Literally, oh, the day after he got stabbed, that's the Russian way. That's the Russian way. Breed, mate. They're a different breed out there. And, uh, anyway, he said that recently he'd been off, because he travels all around the world for the kickboxing thing. That's my favourite line. He said, he went to Korea. And when he was there, the people pointed at him in the street and jumped up and down because he was so tall they didn't think he could see them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. That is good. But uh, oh. I mean, funny, like, I'll just like, kind of round this off. He says that at the moment that he's uh, managed by the Klitschkos. And uh, before this, he was in like the Russian special forces and I went off to Chechnya. And when he was there uh, fighting in the war, he got the Order of Bravery, which is like some big Russian uh, kind of military um, war title. So the guy was asking about it and goes, Listen, the new stuff, there's a reason he comes across it like a cool guy. He goes, Listen, I've seen some things and I just, I just ain't talking about it. Now, for me, the things I've yeah, seen. Yeah, it's the old fashioned, that's the good way. Yeah, that's the way, stoic that's way the, way the Brits did it after the Second World War. Just keep shtum. <laughs> and when everybody asks you how it was, just say, no, it was all right. <laughs> Stiff upper lip. None, none of that American thing, go back after Vietnam. Ooh, <laughs> oh, it's really traumatic. No, just have a cup of tea and just keep it inside. And just go back to work, innit? Area deep down, <laughs> Deep down. And uh, so the reporter asked him, because well, what, you're rich, mate, after all these kind of titles and stuff. And he goes, listen, Listen, he starts laughing, he goes, yeah, I'm rich like a brown bitch. Ha, 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 so I was laughing. And he goes, the translator <laughs> talks to him for a little bit, goes, listen, what he's saying is, he's talking about the soul, you know? It's like he's being rich by having a big soul, that's what it means, he's got a big heart. He says, it's not the person who's rich that is happy, it's the soul, or the heart, or the mind, that's where richness comes oh, from. Right. It's like, yeah, I do like this guy. And then apparently at the end of that, um, after you met him, the reporter's just about to leave. Because Eustonius gets up on the table and like disappears inside. And uh, the reporter's like, well, that lovely to meet you, though, blah, blah, blah. Report gets up to pay the bill. Eustonoff just walks out and goes, nah, don't worry, I've taken care of it, mate. Yeah, gets it up and just walks back and goes but off. You said he can't speak any English. No, you've got broken English, enough to kind of, oh, enough to pay need. a bill. Well, that's he said, need. the reporter said he went inside, and there, was, there was a Chinese restaurant there he was sitting outside of, and he said he walks in, and he just Did says, they start jumping yeah, the, general, <laughs> the owner is just standing beside him, with a photograph taken. <laughs> he was so oh, big, we brilliant. didn't think they could see us. So that, that is fantastic. I like that guy. But, but, uh, but he's, fighting, he's fighting the Terminator. Yeah, indeed. We'll come oh, into it wow. like uh, um, at the end of the show. But um, here, should we round off the box news? There's one last thing, I suppose. I got a couple of things. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't think to cut to me, did you? <laughs> oh no, it's a Garrett show. <laughs> a regular feature. What was the? Uh, I think a big bit of. I'll just quickly say yeah. while we're on the talk of Yusnov, uh, a little link. You say he's managed by the Klitschkos. Did you hear about Vitali's announced he's going to run for the Ukrainian presidency in 2015? He didn't have a chance of that, considering like how. He, uh, I mean, he doesn't really come across it like stunningly charismatic when we see him. But uh, I guess the Ukrainians, that guy's like an international. Oh yeah, superstar. He's like clearly like a very intelligent. Oh, he's very funny as well. Even you see him in some of his interviews. He's quite. He's. he's I think he's charismatic. Yeah, who's the? Who are we thinking of? Who's the uh, Russian? Not the Russian. Who's that chess player? Gary Kasparov. Oh yeah, Gary Kasparov. I don't know how it went for him. Did he go? What? He went into politics. Oh, did he? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he's probably still got a... Still got, the thing is, I with remember. him, though, is he wasn't uh, punched in the head for a living for <laughs> about 20 years. That is true. So, um, yeah. I think for Kasparov, as my memory comes back to me, that he was running on a, like an anti-corruption campaign against Putin. And, uh, yeah, just yeah. Never, never really took off, to be honest. There's yeah. a lot of corruption in Russian politics, and he didn't get that very far. That's a big... That's a big, big ask. Oh, yeah. that. You're asking for trouble. I was going to say, what's a, another big ask? Did you hear about those um, Udo's girl? Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to get into Russian politics. It's <laughs> <laughs> sidetracked. There's enough enough of that going on already. But, yeah, go on. What were you going to say? I said that it's... Uh... Coming up in the... Uh, I just uh, heard this today before I was uh, coming out to do the show. That uh, Martin Murray... Yeah. Britain's own is uh, apparently next uh, February this is going to be huge on the 1st of February fighting in Monte Carlo he's going to be up against Gennady Golovkin no he's not yeah what no no he's on? not he's not that's, it's a rumour and he announced that that's not true oh no <laughs> that's a disappointing yeah. I got that on boxing news today he's fighting on the same he's fighting on the same undercard I think but he's not he's not fighting him Oh, in which case, whoever wrote that on boxingnews24.com... Yeah, you lying. Just Same fuck I've s- probably told Sailed me down the river. Audley Harrison was going to be in <laughs> Spain. Fighting with the boys. It's nothing but lies, mate. Probably, <laughs> probably fucking Freddie Roach. <laughs> you can't think of any more 
eyeball stories. So he's uh, yeah, right. Finally, just before we get onto the actual core meat of the show, I think it's about time that listeners want to hear how my organ's been <laughs> what he's been up to on Twitter what he's been tweeting recently the legend because, that is Ricardo Moyes yeah I've, I've, I figured I haven't, um, I haven't looked at his tweets for a while so I'm going to go on there and just see what he's been up to um, and on the 1st of November he uh, guess who is recent guess who is recent uh, been calling out his main target uh, I don't know Pacquiao no no I'll give you a clue. He doesn't like Mexicans. Juan <laughs> <laughs> Manuel Marquez. Oh, yeah, it's a bit of him. He's on there, but he's not the number one. The main one is at Vicious, Vicious Ortiz. Oi, Victor Gomez, S no fight. We offered to pay for so testicles on you <laughs> so you can be man and fight real man. Real man. Dos rounds, pendejo. <laughs> um... And another thing I want to point out is a brilliant Twitter race. Go out and check out his uh, picture on Twitter because it's just him with Don King and some geezer who looks like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> Don King and Mayorga, that was a marriage made in heaven, that wasn't it? Marriage was made in the deepest, darkest depths, depths of, of hell. hell. <laughs> <laughs> There's two more evil people on the Oh, uh, yeah. And then... Um, <clears throat> Anyway, I read down and he said, uh, if no at Vicious Ortiz, we want puta JMM Marquez. <laughs> and he says, uh, we also allow him to take medicine from Rata, Mexico at Guru Science, whatever that means. <laughs> we promise KO a dos round. <laughs> Everything he claims is always knocking people out in two rounds. I um, generally do really quite love that guy. If yeah. he wasn't a horrible... Oh, that yeah. should be, you know, in prison. And after after that, he's then got about another six tw- uh, tweets, all just calling out Ortiz, offering to pay for him to have a sex change <laughs> and other various insults, all ending in a uh, maricon, <laughs> which I believe is sort of Spanish for faggot, along those lines. Along those is, lines, it's apparently the most offensive thing you can say in Latin America. <coughs> Not well. So it fits well with him, doesn't it? He throws it out like he's, like he's like giving he, it away. He is. But, uh, anyway, that's yeah. Um, yeah. Might wrap it up for our uh, bit of boxing news. And uh, it's all right. So we're into the uh, next part of the show. Reviews, we, reviews. Yeah, of the last uh, few weeks' action. So uh, which one do we start off with? We might as well start off with a B hop. So yeah, this was uh, a couple of weeks back, fighting in the light heavyweight division up against Carl Murat, who uh, unbelievably is ranked number six in the light heavyweights. Anyway, B hop took it in like wide. Wide unanimous decision. I didn't decision. actually see it. I only saw the only clip I saw is a a, a clip of B Hop in the ropes with Murat throwing loads of punches, and right in the mix of it, B Hop just turns, looks to the audience, <laughs> opens his mouth wide open, and just goes, "Oh!" <laughs> and he looks back, and I just thought, "God damn, that man is so cool." <laughs> it was a very strange fight. Well, it started off strange because again, B Hop came in to dress like a green alien. Yeah, head to foot, luminous I've green. Try, I've been trying to find it, but I can't find it. But yeah. uh, basically, after round two, uh, it's basically it stopped being like a proper fight. Clearly, there's a real strange thing about B-Hop, that he can lure people into fighting his type of fight. Yeah. And uh, Murat was clearly, okay, well, you want to test his skill? I'll do that. <laughs> I was like, mate, what a, he's a 48-year-old man. Just go over there and try and knock his head off. Yeah. Murat, theory, no, no. It's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm outboxing. <laughs> As we could you all imagine. Dumbass bastard. Yeah, that did not go well. And uh, But again, you want to see B-Hop, for all the kind of economy of footwork and stuff, it looks absolutely perfect. But... Um, Murat, way, way too much respect. Even, and it was a nice little part where Behop kissed him on the back of the neck. Aww. So he slips under <laughs> like a punch, turns uh, Murat around, and like the referee, and everyone's like, oh, it's quite funny. And just as he's pushing uh, Murat away, and just on the back of his head, kisses him, <laughs> and then turns the crown and kind of giggles. That's, that's straight out of the Jorge Paez uh, <laughs> repertoire. He used to do that. <laughs> it was good, but uh, again, Murat. Completely the wrong uh, type of tactics. B-Hop's um, obviously been scouring the archives and thinking, <laughs> if I can't knock people, entertain people by knocking them out, I'm going to go down a different route. Absolutely. I'm come in as a big green alien. That really was the best thing about it, I'd say. But um, what's the next one? So uh, on the same night a couple of weeks ago, there was a Kelbrook, a Britain's own, versus oh, yeah. Senchenko, the guy who uh, retired Ricky Hatton, properly retired yeah. him, so he was never going to come out and retire again. <laughs> never say never. Never say never, true. If Ricky, if you're listening, I've still got the faith. And uh, basically, it ended in uh, what was it like round four? Yeah, that, um, yeah. Brooke just completely yeah, over it, was, it started off quite cagey, didn't it? But 
I mean, I thought Brooke used his jab well, uh, and when it landed, it just seemed to carry a lot more snap and, and power than Shenchenko's, which was a difference. But, yeah, I how do you feel about Kell Brook's performance? Because oh, I'm struggling to... I'm not convinced if he's ready for that top, top-level sort of world title shot. I think... Um... He's like athletically wise, and he's like um, a good like technical boxer. His failing comes when he has a tendency to kind of uh, get distracted in fights and kind of lose his way. And against like a more proficient boxer, and yeah. clearly someone uh, he's like much better than uh, Shinchenko, and that welterweight division has tons of them. That um, gonna maybe expose if he, him. Yeah, if he's not like tuned in like for the whole uh, twelve rounds, he's not gonna be knocking everyone out. So yeah. I think that's where he falls down. But again, he's like strong. He's tough. He's yeah. He's got some good. He's got some good power, and he's got some good snap. But I just think he's. Oh, pardon me. That's the, that's, the, that's the Peroni coming uh, coming through. Um, I think it might disagree with what I'm about. So no, I just think that his uh, his defence is lacking something. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's just got a bit switched off. Maybe he didn't respect Shinchenko's power. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. So be, maybe yeah. maybe he just didn't really see it as that big a fight. Some I remember Sugar Ray Leonard used to say he only really properly performed at his best. Uh, in the big big fights and when he was up against people mm. but let's not compare <laughs> to, to Sugar Ray um, that might be true though I mean there's uh, some personalities who yeah. suit like the big time occasion better and he's clearly desperate to get in there yeah but, I think um, the only way we're ever really going to know for sure is when he actually gets a shot against one of those top top guys yeah absolutely he's, he's tested so yeah. Uh, should we move on to the next one? Well, I just like. want to, before we move on, I just, yeah. uh, obviously, Kel Brook knocked him out in the fourth round, for those people who didn't see it, but just before he was knocked out, um, he was wobbled briefly by a punch from Shenchenko. But the reason I want to bring this up is because I've watched the fight with Ukrainian <laughs> coverage, hey. commentary, right? And... Um, the first time when Shenchenko was dropped, you should have listened to that. It came down, there was a woman on it, she just went... Oi, 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 oi. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just silence. And, just, and then after he got knocked out, right? Rather than what is customary, showing the knockout punch. Yeah. No, no, that's not what they did. They decided to to replay um, the 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 footage of Shenchenko's punch, which slightly wobbled. <laughs> Not once did they replay it, not twice, but five times in a row, right? Five times, each time slower than the last, right? And they're all commentating on it going, oh, no, I couldn't, but I think it was so along the lines of, God, what a great punch. After all of that was done, they then showed the knockout punch once. And I just thought, oh, that is funny. But, yeah. That is good. Right, let's move on. Uh, well, the next one. So on um, a Saturday, a couple of weeks ago, on the Saturday, the second uh, November, Gennady Golovkin, who apparently won't be fighting Martin Murray nope. in uh, February next year. Anyway, he was coming up against um, Kurt Stevens, a middleweight division for Golovkin's title, and um, pretty. I don't know. Actually, this one was cagey start, wasn't it? It was, it was a better fight than I thought it was going to be. I thought uh, Golovkin would be uh, well, kind of go through him, but um, anyway, he. Eventually uh, knocked uh, Stevens out. Stevens couldn't come out for uh, round nine, so we uh, beat him in round eight. And um, but it's one of those strange things where going in, Golovkin kind of looks like a superhero. You don't know what I mean? He was built up to be so much hype, and he's exceptional. All of those things are true. But uh, there was one, maybe like a round four or five, where Stevens landed a four-punch combination, four, clearly just bing, 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 all of them right in the bottom. Yeah, yeah, and he clearly uh, backed him up. And I was, I was kind of surprised. Certainly in the first two, like couple of rounds it was you know it was Golovkin who was being pressed walked back and it was Golovkin who seemed pretty wary of Stevenson's power but I mean that did all change pretty quickly with a couple of quick left hooks yeah. uh, early on and you see once once Stevenson was dropped I mean I have to say it's one of the funniest facial expressions I've ever seen <laughs> on a fight after being dropped just pure shock and surprise mouth wide mouth and eyes wide open and he just sat on the canvas as if to say holy shit <laughs> Uh, where did that truck come from? Okay, <laughs> owed me, and uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. But um, no, I was funny. He did dig deep and managed to survive the last ten, fifteen seconds. Which, in fairness, I think yeah, it was very impressive. Wouldn't have been able to. And after that, the fight sort of changed. You could see Golovkin just 
changed his style totally and was going in for the kill. But as you pointed out, in like round four, Stevenson came right back into the fight, you know, mm. landing some good shots. And, you know, I, I you've got to give Stevenson some, some credit there. Um, does it expose any weaknesses, I suppose, in the well, Golovkin's game? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it certainly made me think there's a lot of hype around him. Mm. And, you know, again... I would look and say his defence doesn't look that great and there are aspects which I'm not completely convinced about. But then again, you know, defence is not really his style, is yeah. it? He's, and he he's did a knockout walk, artist. He did pretty, like, stand up for those four punch, <laughs> four straight punches. Yeah. Like, keep on coming, so. yeah, so, I mean, he's... Yeah, he's a Kazakh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Goes without saying that one. What's um, the next one? That was um, a real kind of uh, banger. That was... a. Uh, so Hernan Marquez, I t- talked about this on uh, episode 13, said this one should have been like a bit of a classic, which it turned out to be. So uh, Hernan Marquez down the flyweight division versus Giovanni Segura. And um, Segura won. So he's a record at the moment, I think it's like 31 wins, a couple of losses, and, like 27 KOs. And uh, add another just real kind of memorable knockout, uh, knocking out Hernan Tyson Marquez. Oh, so Bateman like the uh, round 12 finally knocked him out. But um, it was just like a real kind of savage war back and forth. And... Uh, Again, Segura is like a, a better boxer, and like eventually, like it kind of warmed down. But um, yeah, <coughs> if you haven't good. seen it yet, yeah, check oh, okay. that one well, out. Uh, check YouTube, it out. That was a bit of a, cool. It was cool. I mentioned quickly this a uh, good fight. Um, it's mainly just for the boxers' names that caught my eye. And I thought <laughs> I, I got to watch this one. Um, it was Genesis Savania from the yeah, Philippines. That is a good name. <laughs> That's a good name against Rafael Concepcion <laughs> from Panama. Um, and yeah, so I checked this out, and it was a, um, yeah, I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> it was a very entertaining little fight with one of the sweetest KOs you will ever see. Nice. And um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen such a lack of concern for an opponent after a fight. Genesis KO'd Conception with like just a beautifully timed right uppercut, sparks him clean out. Conception is out for like, I'm talking a good four or five minutes on the canvas, lying on the floor. Everyone's gathered around, becoming increasingly concerned. Yeah. You know, a real sense of, oh shit, the commentator's talking. Next thing you know, Genesis steps into the camera, starts laughing, pointing down at Raphael. <laughs> he steps over him and starts making that throat slitting sign and pointing down at him That's... and just... Posing That's and you're just thinking, up, yeah, you are. You're thinking, wow, all right, mate, all right, you've got to win. It was just shock. It's like, dang, they do things rough out in the Philippines. <laughs> um, and but yeah. Um, anyway, it wasn't all bad news for the Concepcion family because Luis Concepcion won the uh, WBC. Uh, silver flyweight title in Panama beating Carlos Ruiz with a late round KO and uh, I have to say Lewis Conception displayed almost as much disregard for his opponent's health as Genesis <laughs> Savania showed his brother so perhaps a little bit of a edge in the family what? well no I was going to say a little bit of karma oh yeah yeah because <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. can I just say the phrase, the, the phrase I just used, a bit of edge in the family. What's that mean? That I doesn't don't mean know. <laughs> I should have done, I should have gone all gross on you. That literally doesn't make any sense. Uh, what's another anyway. good one? But uh, we'll kind of round these off. So, uh, Nanita Donaire, because there, there was a couple that was, oh, um, yeah. just uh, this weekend just passed. So, uh, Nanito Donaire up against uh, Victor Chinian. So in the down in the featherweight division, and um, so this was like a rematch. They fought back in uh, two thousand and seven, uh, and Donair got like KO of the year. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, for this one, so Donair is coming back after his loss to uh, Rigondeau a yeah. couple of months ago. Rigondeau is again like a fantastic uh, Cuban boxer. Yeah. Anyway, so oh, this is can't like get his... a fight, can he? Yeah. Crazy. No one wants to. Crazy. No one wants to come up against him. Anyway, so um, Donair coming back. This is like his comeback fight comes up against Darcini. He's thirty-seven. Yeah, he did not look good. Darcini's been training with a. Or I heard he was training with an MMA guy. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Why? I don't know. It clearly did him all right in that <laughs> fight. <laughs> up until he got KO'd, but he was. He looks. He looked good for a thirty-seven year. And the other thing is, he's not like one of his slick style boxer. He was a brawler, wasn't he? He's a yeah. slugger. And to get to that age and still, but I don't know. Donair didn't look good, did he? No, he didn't look good. I mean, he eventually won by kind of KO, but um, I think he KO in round nine. But he was it behind was on a, his scorecards. It's an unbelievable KO. That is yeah. cool. Uh, what was another one that had like a? I guess this might be the like, the last one we'll do. So it's uh, it was a uh, Roman Martinez versus uh, Mikey Garcia down in the uh, junior lightweight division, and uh, Garcia adding another KO to his incredibly incredibly impressive uh, KO record. Yeah. He's like thirty three fights. As in 
been defeated. He's he's incredibly powerful. Got look real kind of banging um, both he hands. Got knocked down in the second round, didn't he? Flash knocked down. Yeah. Flash knocked down. Don't don't even worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> don't even pay attention to that. Right, he clearly didn't worry because he just. Walked, got walked the rest, didn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Got up and uh, plowed on through. And like uh, uh, Roman Martin is the guy who's fighting. He's ranked number two in like uh, the junior lightweight division. So uh, apparently, like the plan might be for Garcia to step up and move it into the um, uh, lightweights and then okay. take on whoever. But uh, yeah, real impressive. He's absolutely one of the best boxers on the planet at the minute. That guy yeah. is a real, real definitely. Let's hope badass. he maybe steps up because yeah. That'll be that'll be interesting to yeah, see yeah. how we can fill out. Right, finally, I'm just going to quickly throw this out a uh, mention to everybody's favourite South African boxer, Thomas Uthazen. <laughs> he won a decision over um, Mad Arna. Es- I can't even. What, how do you pronounce that? Is his first name? That's es- a look. Esquil. Esquelli. Esquelli. Wait, wait, it's not a no in the end there. I like the way you're just throwing an extra <laughs> syllable at the end. Anyway, him. Uh, yeah, it's his seventh defence of his. Um, IBO super middleweight title and uh, I mean when I say to everybody's favourite South African boxer <laughs> I'm not including Francis Boa am I the beast yeah obviously because <laughs> technically buffalo. he's still going and going strong from what I hear I mean technically he's coming off the back of uh, well it's fifth straight loss but, <laughs> but you know Boxing I sense, I sense onwards and upwards for him I reckon all he needs is a uh, get back in the ring with Evander and avenge that loss <laughs> and then <laughs> That would turn things right around. Um, he both of strikes me as the type of guy who's going to box until he's sixty. He's if he's not fighting in a ring for money, he's clearly going to be down a path, just causing trouble. He's going to be so out hunting well, Springbok. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just keep him. Imagine like earning. Yeah. Might as well do a pillars in his hand. I can imagine him someone. walking around just old like boozers, just telling stories about. Oh. I yeah. guarantee that guy's a lot of fun to hang we out should, with. We should do a didn't used to be a box on him. We should do, actually. Add it to the list. Well, anyway, yeah, that's coming up next. Oh, yeah, all right. Well, that wraps up the reviews. Yeah, and we've got a, a real good special coming up for you next. So hold tight and wait four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it reached that part of the show now for yep. didn't used to be a boxer, and I'm going to pass you over to the capable hands of my good friend, uh, Sir Garrett Mokler. Right, for this week, we're going to change it up. And uh, it's normally didn't used to be a boxer. We retell like, well, the last story. Well, you say usually, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's a mix and match. Bag, yeah. really. <laughs> Sometimes you chuck in a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this week, it's going to be... Rather than didn't used to be a boxer, didn't you used to be a boxing promoter? I was online on some boxing forum and happened a chance upon a guy called Eugene Roderick Rock Newman. And uh, basically, if he's, he's a boxing promoter during the uh, 90s. The saviour of Riddick Bowe. And uh, he basically Newman basically nurtured uh, Bo back from like his Olympic disappointment to become the undisputed heavyweight champion. Now the reason I brought him up is on the boxing forum that I looked at. First thing I said about him was some guy just put a quote saying oh, Newman. Someone asked like, "What's he up to now?" And someone go, "Oh, I guess he's just spending all his trying all his time trying to convince the world he's black." And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's like, yes, please. <laughs> Read more. That's exactly the type of guy I want to find out about. All right. Richard doesn't know what this guy looks like. There's a picture I printed off him, didn't I? I would recommend for anyone listening to this, go online and type in Rock Newman and have a look what he... Just see what he looks like. Right. That's him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Looks like Santa, looks looks like Santa like, Claus. He looks like a love child between an Oompa Loompa and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, somebody else. That is a, that's a look. It's an interesting looking wow. guy. No. Okay, what's so yeah. interesting about him? That guy's black. No, he's not. No. You say no, he's like, have a, take another look. Hang on. All right, if you're listening to this at home, you're thinking, oh, uh, t- Rock Newman, first picture, have a look at him, you think. He's about as black as Michael Jackson, that I guy. mean, <laughs> looks like Santa Claus. White hair, tan skin. This is, he is one of the world's great chancers. Just one of the, like in living memory. <laughs> I should get that on his gravestone. One of the world's great chances. I mean, in after so I go online. It's I do a bit of backhanded compliment. Do a bit of research of him, and uh, again in, in the best tradition of Phil Collins, who we all know is just is actually the world's greatest chancer. <laughs> but in, in I mean, he's, he's not got like the Collins crown of being that crazy. But just, he's close. He's not on the door. Is he, he is a proper wide boy. So basically, he's known as like a, a talker. He's a charmer. He's like a, he's a fighter. He's an activist. Like a proper uh, civil rights activist. He, this is a guy 
who knows how to get shit done. You understand what I'm saying? You I understand what I'm telling I think you? I'm understanding. Right, so Make me understand more. Here's a quote from him. He says, Never allow this situation to become boring. Make people have an opinion of you. Good, bad, but never indifferent. Confront people's ideas. Be accessible. And controversy sells. So you're like, all right. A bit more right, detail yeah. about this guy. I'll give you an example. It's <laughs> got this controversy. So it's 1991. He's managing Riddick Bowe. Riddick Bowe gets into uh, a fight with a guy called uh, Elijah Tillery. All right. And uh, Tillery, gets, you've probably seen this online. Tillery gets uh, disqualified for kicking Bowe uh, during the middle of the fight. And a Bowe just goes crazy. He's like pushes him backwards. Rock Newman is standing ringside, sees your man uh, kick Bo, and uh, Tillery just goes up against the ropes. Newman jumps up on the ring apron, grabs Tillery around the head, literally <laughs> <laughs> pulls him over the top rope and just throws him into the crowd. Oh, the whole fucking place goes crazy. I just turns into like an absolute nightmare. This is Rock Newman. This is this oh, man. Oh my God. Right, so his early life, he was born like the last of eight children. Like his uh, dad was like a truck driver portrayed in like a bootlegger on the side. So already there's that kind of nice bit of chancery going on oh, that yeah. Newman picks up. So basically he was born poor, raised in uh, southern uh, Maryland in the States. And uh, he, he claimed up at the age of like 15, he's so poor that he had like an outhouse where they'd go out and uh, use the uh, toilet. Anyway, his father was like an alcoholic. He had other siblings, but they pretty much... Um, is that a real definition of poor, having an outhouse? I mean, it doesn't help. If you don't have indoor plumbing, you're probably poor. Yeah, it's yeah. a good point, that. And, uh, or it depends what part of the world you live in. Well, true. But uh, anyway, yeah, so he's the last of eight kids. All the other kids have moved out, and so he's cleared in the house by himself for, like, uh, weeks and months. And I'm kind of like, oh, this is where, you can tell, this is where the chance really begins. This is where the imagination and bullshit begins. And uh, basically, he... Again, look him up online. He's got incredibly pale skin... And he's got blue eyes. And, again, it looks like a white guy. kind of looks like a white version of Uncle Phil from uh, Fresh <coughs> Prince. And, uh, basically, it's, it's, he's got this uh, story, and it's, this is, it says something about the incredible idiocy of racism. And, uh, again, he's got blue eyes, and he's got skin incredibly so fair that most people think he's white, because he looks like a white yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, he does, he does. And uh, this is a quote from him. He says, I've seen and felt racism that most blacks uh, have never seen, he says. Raw, naked, nasty racism. People let out their true feelings around me, not knowing who I am. I've heard it all. So uh, he tells this story of that uh, when he was a kid, so he's maybe like 10 years old, living in this little town in Maryland. He goes into like the local barber's, and uh, he's just sitting there and he's getting his uh, hair cut. And the barber goes to him, this is the quote that he says, the barber asks him his name, and Rock says, oh yeah, I'm Rock Newman. And the barber realises then, he's like, oh, well, you're like the, you're like the Black Newman family. And uh, what he said is, at that moment, there's a quote from him, he says, at that moment, he took this straight razor blade, put it against my throat, and said, nigger, if you ever come in here again, I'm going to use this razor on you. It says something, like, at this part, it doesn't go funny, obviously, but um, <clears throat> it says something about the insanity of racism. To all intents and purposes, that's a little white boy. And then this retard of a barber will stare at him and go, we'll find out his name. Then have they got a clock in his head and go, oh, you're black, and then throw some kind of racial episode at him. It is. I mean, on a lighter note, I suppose, he does come come across it. If you're wanting to make a movie of this guy's life, he has 80s classic comedy (laughs) written all over him. If you're wanting to make, like, Soul Man 2, this this guy's life is really what you want to do about it. um, Soul Man (laughs) Now there's a racist film. There is a racist film. But anyway, like like the whole Newman clan, so his whole family could pass for white, but they're a black family. He, uh, but he's like incredibly proud of this, uh, fervently proud of this uh, black heritage. And uh, often you can look him up online. He's normally walking around in like African garb with the, like the uh, proper like robes and stuff on. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, so he attended like the there's a university in the states called Howard University. It's predominantly uh, black, and. Um, so he got there on like a baseball scholarship. Wasn't good enough to kind of uh, go pro. But anyway, he goes to university. These are the, like the beginnings of his proper real being a chancer. Right. So uh, he's got this story. In, it's nineteen eighty. Was he? Well, sorry, but was he? Was he welcomed by the black? Yeah, community? absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good. How? <laughs> I was going to say. Can you imagine that'd be the worst of everything? How many come close to where this guy goes? All right. So it's nineteen eighty, and he's a student counselor at Howard University, working away. Him and there's an American comedian called Dick Gregory. He was right. like a bit of like a famous, like in the kind of eighties, nineties. He was a, a U.S. comedian, talk, uh, political activist. Anyway, somehow they were uh, approached by Iranian diplomats looking for a way to pressure the U.S. governments in the tug of war over the American hostages who were being held in Iran, or in uh, Tehran. So, if you've ever seen the film Argo, this is basically these Iranian right, diplomats okay. come over. Somehow, three weeks later, Newman finds himself <laughs> staying as a guest of the Ayatollah Khomeini. <laughs> 
they shook them over for reasons that no one could explain. This student, this student counselor, and. Uh, Tiny little university in the states yeah, gets yeah, picked yeah. up, gets sent over to like to Tehran, gets brought in, Why? goes into the no idea because he's a chanter, he's a talker, he's a guy. Yeah, yeah but he's applied for as he he's asked to. Do no, it. no, these guys just came over and started talking and said, "At least we want to pressure the U.S. government." He, from their initial uh, meetings, managed to convince them that hey, this is a guy who can he can change oh, the political like, system. Like the end. This guy. And the U.S. <laughs> picks up and gets to, uh, taken over to Iran. He said he went into the Shah's palace and he's just sitting on like the Ayatollah's bed, and uh, he said it was then that he got like the real sensation of the the lessons to be learned about like the fleeting nature of power. They were sunk into him. So he was like twenty-three <laughs> in this in this palace in Iran. And he's think this is uh, this is what self this is what power is. So basically, it wasn't until you were thirty that is kind of so he had like a career like selling cars, announcing on like sports radio, again counseling students at this university. Finally, the boxing business kind of draws him in. So he first became like a manager of this uh, a light heavyweight called uh, Dwight Brixton. Sorry, Dwight uh, Braxton, and uh, managed him for a little while. Didn't go that well. Then he became Butch Lewis's public relations man, and uh, Butch Lewis was again he was like a boxing manager back in the eighties, um, and I guess he's best known for like Leon and Michael Spinks. He was like their manager. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, now it's like the mid nineteen eighties. Newman is like a bit into boxing. Finally meets Riddick Bowe, and uh, this is quote he says: "I saw him, Bowe, in a very vulnerable position, and I instantly connected with his vulnerability." Like nice, okay. That's that's chancer speech. Sounds a bit, <laughs> sounds a bit leechy to me. Anyone listening? That's chancer speech. Parasitic. So it's a uh, nineteen eighty eight. He takes over uh, Bo's career. So at this stage, Bo is kind of down and discredited. He won a silver medal in the eighty eight Olympics, but um, most people question his heart because in the final he lost to Lennox Lewis. That's and bad. people said, oh, maybe like he quit or whatever. And uh, anyway, so Newman scratched together like enough monies to get sparring. He never, partners he and... never wanted to fight Lewis, did he? Oh, no, absolutely not. And uh, the quote that uh, Newman gives about it is I paid Roddick's purse, I paid his opponent's purse, I paid the opponent's manager's traveling expenses, I paid to feed the opponents. All of it is like taken on Newman. So he puts in like this massive amount of money to get Bo and start off. He somehow convinces, Newman somehow convinces Eddie Foch. So Eddie Foch is like one of the oh, greatest yeah, trainers yeah, of all yeah. time, trained like Joe Frazier, Ken Norton, Larry Holmes, Trevor Burbick, four of the five guys who beat Muhammad Ali. This like legendary trainer somehow managed to convince this guy, take over Riddick Bowe, says yes. Oh. Loving it. So uh, basically Newman goes on and kind of guides Bowe through like the murky world of the heavyweight division. And uh, comes up November 13, 1992, Bo knocks, uh, sorry, beats Evander Holyfield in Las Vegas. Now he's the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world and uh, always one for a bit of controversy even at like the best of times <laughs> it's, they're standing in the ring and uh, like a bow's just one so the whole place is like going crazy this photographer yeah. comes in and kind of barges his way through Newman sees the photographer barges his way through just turns around bang lamps him out oh. gets 35 grand fine from the <laughs> Nevada Athletic Commission gets sentenced uh. to 10, 10 hours of temper control counselling which I'm a big fan of so uh, anyway, so well, he goes on. involved in that temper control, temper, uh, temp- temper control counselling. No idea. What a load of nonsense. And, uh, anyway, so he, he goes on to like uh, organise between him. He sets up a deal with uh, for Bo with HBO and Time Warner in excess of a hundred million dollars in potential revenue for Bo. So like all based on uh, uh, kind of future fights. He tells the story of uh, speaking with Jose Suleiman, who's the WBC president, still is. And this guy's a shady motherfucker. Oh, yeah. And uh, so Suleiman comes up to him and goes, like, no, Bo is like uh, at the echelons at the heavyweight division. And uh, Suleiman turns around to him and goes, listen, he's talking about Don King. And he says, get Don King as your promoter. That is the way forward. <laughs> Don's made the most money for the most fires. And then Newman looks back at him and goes, well, come on, I've, I've pretty much brought Bo here all by myself. No, that's, it's just not necessary. This, we don't really need Don King. I don't really need you. And see so Newman goes, oh, okay, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Two months later, they have like the boxing rankings and somehow <laughs> that Razor Ruddock, who otherwise would have been like number 10, <laughs> leaps over Bo <laughs> at the WBC rankings. Uh, so this led to like a famous thing later on of uh, Rick Bo and Newman sitting beside him. They fly to London where uh, there was a, supposed to be like a fight with uh, Lennox Lewis, and he see them take the WBC belt and just throw it in the bin. Yeah. And it's like, we're never going to fight Lennox Lewis. <laughs> There's no chance. But that's the reason, or at least part of the reason. Ah, okay. So, uh, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bob Aaron has a quote about him. says, Rock has managed to alienate just about everybody in boxing, Evil peop- even people who are sworn enemies of each other. He knew goddamn well that he was alienating people. He's a goddamn hypocrite with his holier-than-thou approach. People in boxing, people in boxing, generally make no bones about their goals. 
we just want to make money and advance fighters, not rock. The guy's a hypocrite. If he came to fight one of my champions, I would lean over backwards not to do a deal with him. I wouldn't give him the sweat off my back. And Newman, he loves that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> he absolutely loves it. He always uh, he takes the position and always has done that. Basically, all he wants to do is make enough money for Bo, make an ocean of cash. That done, he quits. 1996, Bo retires from boxing, Newman ends his time as manager. Do you think? It's like a nice story and whatever. He, he should have managed Bernard Hopkins. Those two would have gone together uh, like a... Uh, the reason I bring him up is like it's partly because of his boxing career, but it's partly what he does outside of boxing. Uh, well, that's what this segment should really be all about. All right, so it's he's it's night ninety four, and uh, he's the he's manager of the heavyweight champs. And he thinks to himself, "Okay, Ryan, what I need? I've already got Bo to be like the pinnacle of the sport. What I need? I need another lost soul, and I'm gonna help that guy out." You ever heard of a politician called Marion Barry? No, the name like that. All right, Marion Barry, for anyone who doesn't, uh, doesn't know, he's like a disgraced Washington, uh, Washington D.C. mayor. So he's the mayor for like a, uh, a couple of terms. He lost a job when it revealed that, Mar- uh, that Barry was a crack addict. He was caught like on tape, smoking crack. No, that doesn't go and that's like, well. Yeah, doesn't doesn't go well. I have to say, there's not many um, people in politics it's, I can think of who... It's hard to come back from crack addiction. It is. That's a tough one. Unless you know Rock Newman. Because oh. <laughs> Newman meets him and says, listen, there's a chance for redemption here. Your story's about redemption. Oh, Americans love him. And our Barry's like, oh, Everybody I don't know. Does. How do you get him elected? On election day... Got him on smack. Newman went round and got... Sort of rounded up homeless people with, like, sandwiches and stuff. And just got him, took them down to, like, Poland boots. And just went and signed the oh, name. Oh, brilliant. And uh, that's... Anyway, he gets it like a uh, Marion Barry elected. Couple of years later, Rock Newman gets uh, <laughs> there's Washington DC proclaim a Rock Newman Day <laughs> in his honour, which I'm always a big fan of. You see, him, he goes on like TV, goes on for like a funds for guns program. So it's him on local TV saying, "Listen, funds for guns." He says, "Listen, all you uh, all those legal arms out there, just to hand them in, and we'll pay you cash." Oh yeah. So he's on TV those. like oh, with brilliant. like thousands of dollars in his hand, just coming, come on down, come on down, throws <laughs> it over like. Oh, did God that bless that country I mean according to himself and this according to his website he's a self he was an early trailblazer self-styled trailblazer in the fight against apartheid in South Africa somehow managed to meet up had a private dinner with Nelson Mandela oh. you think there's not too many people outside of Nelson Mandela kind of step it up no I, in the, it comes toward the end of the 90s and he's, he starts working for doing like famine relief in Somalia and again according to his website he <laughs> he makes personal delivery now bear in mind Personal delivery. Bear in mind, for you listeners, Garrett twice made the uh, quotation, quotation of uh, more than a million dollars worth of food and medical supplies to Somalian refugees. Personal delivery, mind. Oh, yeah, on yeah, the back of that. You say Somalian, are they not Somalian pirate refugees <laughs> who've been terrorising the... Yeah. And uh, on the back of that, who'd you get dinner with? Um, Pope Kate, John, oh, Pope John Paul II, baby. Oh, that is good. And, uh, he's like a big friend to like Malcolm X's uh, wife. And I guess this is like the pinnacle, pinnacle of his career. And again, you look this guy up online and he looks like a white dude. The most impressive thing in my mind that he's uh, done is he was a prominent speaker at the Million Man March. So the Million Man March, I guess for anyone uh, not up on their US social history, was uh, organised by Louis Farrakhan. And uh, in uh, 1995, literally like a million uh, people descended on uh, Washington, C- Washington, D.C. Yeah. And it was all this sort of black and pride racist, and black power. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Racial injustice. Uh, that's right. And uh, like the Nation of Islam is organising this. Yeah. And Rock Newman is standing beside Louis Farrakhan giving his speech about, again, like about social equality and social work. And for a guy Christ. who looks like Santa Claus... It's that's the most a, impressive thing yeah. I think I've ever heard. I we could get him on the show. <laughs> I think there's a chance. Oh, what do you doing? I reckon if we, if, we, uh, if we can chance it enough, <laughs> he'll see that, respect it, and think, yeah, I like those two people. I don't know anything about boxing or anything else, but... Oh, what's he doing now? If you go to Washington, D.C., he's still on local radio, so he basically got like a third of Bo's £20 million pound, uh, kind of prize money over the years. So he should. Uh, yeah, and it says on his website, I'll sign this off, it says, Rock seeks mightily to do God's work. Can't say fair than that, people. Stuff. Rock Newman looks like Santa Claus giving speeches at Million Man marches. I'm liking that. That I'm guy liking that is guy. a proper chancer. That guy is a proper man. Watch out, Phil. He's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Please hang up and try again. OK, great stuff there, Rock Newman. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Garrett. Love that, was, that guy. Uh, that was very, very informative. <laughs> <laughs> 
and entertaining. Um, right, so we're going to move on now to the. Uh, we're going to look at the up previews, upcoming yeah. fights. Yeah? A few of the fights coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Are we? Are we just? Are we going to? Are we going to talk about the the Pacquiao Rios? Oh uh, no! If Fudge we grows or we no, we'll stick to. It. We'll do. Um, all right. If we're doing like another show next week. Okay. Then we'll uh, cover all those big fights. So right. just the ones coming up just this weekend. Just so you know, um, if that does happen, I'm away, so I'm going to be contributing very well. <laughs> it's kind of one of my own style. I'm going to slowly phase myself out of these shows to the point <laughs> where when I uh, leave in January, oh, uh, yeah. listeners aren't even going to be aware. And then when I come back, I'll slowly start <laughs> introducing myself and I'll be like... Well, you should explain that in a bit more detail. Richard is going travelling. Uh, then the, He's going to India for two months. Well, yeah, seven seven weeks. Uh, seven weeks. And so uh, the show will be on hiatus unless Gareth finds a ringer. Yeah, get so, someone in. Maybe if there's any, any listeners out there. Any listeners out there who want to uh, replace me position will um, will start up a competition. Maybe maybe we can get Roberto. He's not on speaking terms. That's not that last time, but maybe he'll come and fill in. I, I, I can only That'd imagine good. You could just say lots of things to him and uh, he'll just come out with sort of random Spanish... <laughs> Proverbs. <laughs> that would be, be fantastic. Be a good, good uh, show. But, but uh, no, we could. We'll, we'll do a competition. Yeah. Yeah. Win a place in the show. I mean, it could be weird for you if like some nutter wins it. <laughs> you're just done with a. You're just presenting a show with a nutter. But um, hey, it's only for two months. It's only like what four, five, four or five shows. That's true. That's fine. Talking of competitions, you were going to do a competition for your. Uh, oh yeah. So um. I'm like a big fan of, like of reading like a, a boxing autobiographies, oh, and uh, yeah. there's a big, big ass collection sitting in my house of which like numerous now, like Carl Frotch's one. We'll say as like a good example. So I came up with an idea that if you want to win Carl Frotch's autobiography, and if you want, I'll sign it on his behalf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's look forward that's, to. That's technically a signed copy of Carl Frotch's old. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. You can email into the show. What's our uh, well, listen, email let's not give it out because you haven't got a question yet. I was going to say, you, you, can, you can give like the best reason of why I should post you Carl Frotter's autobiography. All right, leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, and if, if none of them are good enough, then it's like the National Lottery. It rolls over. <laughs> <laughs> the, the quiz, the competition changes. Exactly. So what's our email right. address? Punchdrunkboxingpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or go on to our Twitter. Oh, yeah, go on to Twitter and get a Punchdrunkpod, Twitter. That's right. Um, yeah, and just give us a reason why Gat should send you Carl Frotch's autobiography. And if it's a good one. And stay tuned, because there are plenty more random autobiographies that Garrett has. Plenty. Right, anyway, that was a real detour. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go back to the reviews. Right, the upcoming fights are where this weekend coming, so Saturday the 16th of November, there's Andre Ward, super middleweight division, fighting Edwin Rodriguez for all Ward's numerous uh, titles. Yeah. So uh, Ward, again, like unbeaten. And uh, Edwin Rodriguez, last time we saw him, he was fighting Monte Carlo, knocking that. Oh, yeah. Was a South African dollar. guy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dennis Gracha, the Russian uh, ex-kickboxer, was knocking him out in round one. But yeah. um, It wasn't a South African fight, it was just South African commentary. Yeah, that was right. What a knockout! It's a great, great hook from Gracha. <laughs> oh, no, from Rodriguez. That was fantastic. But uh, anyway, yeah, I... It's a, funny enough, it's a bit of a tough one for Ward to come back as his first fight. Yeah. Rodriguez is powerful. I'm not sure he's, uh, but he's not. Nah, Andre Ward is one I of the best. I said clinch fest. But I'm yeah. uh, looking forward to that one. Are you? Well, um, it's only that Ward has been away for so long. He's so good. Nah. And he's not well, the most exciting guy, but he's. I like him. He's a cool well, guy. It's just if he stops clinching, I'll. Uh, but yeah, let's let's. I'm not. I'm not holding out. Anything special? <laughs> <laughs> just very sceptical about his fights. All right, not the most exciting in the world. We have to say it's just a clinching. I don't mind a boxing masterclass. I love it. <laughs> Stop fucking clinching, right, geez? You're doing my nothing. <laughs> What's a better um, one? All right, that uh, Thomas Adamek on the same night is oh, going to yeah. coming up against a guy called Glaskov. He doesn't clinch. Doesn't clinch. So uh, heavyweight division, and uh, that'll be I can't pronounce his first name, but. Uh, He's, Try that for me. Ah, uh, is he Ukrainian? 
Yeah, I think it is. Like, anybody with that number of V's and Y's <laughs> in their name has to be from that neck of the woods. Mind you, he's got the moniker Tsar, has he? Yeah, so I go, he must be Russian, So maybe, he's, yeah, he must be Russian. But uh, Adamek for his part, so he's looking for a win number 50 in his career. He's only lost twice, which is so impressive. And uh, But he's like, Adamek now is like 36 years old. But um, Yachtchlev. Mm-hmm. That's his first name. <laughs> I've been working on that for 10 seconds. <laughs> Very well done. Um, and... Uh, Anyway, yeah, so always a big fan of Thomas Adamek. That guy's oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, and the last one, again, for uh, heavyweight division, so again, the same night, in fighting down in New Zealand way, it's the 40-year-old David Jua, 52 wins, a million knockouts, <laughs> and he's coming up against the six foot eight, twenty one stone Korean mafia, <laughs> Russian mafia fighting Yustinov. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah come that on. one, mate. I've never after your little your little segment on Houston off. I can't wait. The only thing that's going to make that fight more more exciting is if uh, Newman gets in, uh, starts managing Houston. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be fantastic. I oh, know. I, I am looking forward to that. That sounds like yeah. that sounds like fireworks. I wanted to work into the Newman thing. A joke about Kwanzaa. But I just couldn't do about it. About what? Qantas, the airline. <laughs> I was going to say, because he looks like Santa Claus, I was going to say he celebrates Kwanzaa. And I said that to my girlfriend, she didn't know what that was. I don't know what Kwanzaa is. Kwanzaa's was... the Black Christmas. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Right, if you've ever, if you look this up online, Kwanzaa, K W A. Just tell me about it. And it, that's what it is. It's uh, yeah. It's like the African Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you live in Africa, just. <laughs> what's yeah, Kwanzaa? But... Kwanzaa, the Black Christmas. Right, but yeah. is it. Is it celebrating Jesus, the birth of Jesus? No, I think it's more just uh, like the festivity around Christmas time. Because if you're not a uh, Christian, then you probably wouldn't right, be celebrating that okay. thing. But if you're like uh, oh, African, okay. we're of like another religion. So it's an alternative. Exactly. You don't want to celebrate at the same time and have the same kind of feelings just without uh, Jesus there. Kwanzaa! I might give that a go this year. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody else wants to celebrate Kwanzaa. But uh, yeah, anyway, that one should be fantastic. But uh, should we wrap up the uh, show? Yeah. I feel the show's been a bit it's been a bit off kilter and you know who's thought that is what that fucking Peroni mate. It's, gone, it's gone right to my head this is always what happens when we get a bit carried away well we can round it off strongly because we've got like a fantastic recommendation of the week so um I found this online uh, a couple of days ago if you want to look up Don King only in America so that's oh, a the film yeah you can look this up on oh, nice. YouTube. Don King, Only in America. Who have they got playing the big fella? Uh, Ving Rhames, mate. Ving Rhames, people. It. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely going to love that. And uh, what's my favourite quote? There's a scene where uh, George Foreman is uh, standing in the oh. toilet and uh, Don King walks in beside him and the pair of them are just like taking a piss. And uh, the guy playing George Foreman goes... I, like they finish like pissing and Don King's walking straight out the door. <laughs> George Foreman goes to him, aren't you, aren't you going to wash your hands? And King looks back and goes, I'll wash my hands before I touch my dick. <laughs> I've used that on somebody. I saw that exact when I saw that film. I was, I, the minute I saw that, I was like, That's, I'm definitely using that. I'm nicking that. Thanks, I wash my hands before yeah. I touch my dick. I wash, that's it. That's how you write a screenplay. <laughs> Paulie Malinati. I reckon. Pay attention to that, mate. I reckon, I reckon you write that line and you build the film around it. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly, you stick that in the middle and you work your way out. <laughs> that's what I'd do. It's fantastic. But uh, yeah, watch that online. That's good stuff. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. So, there you go, people. That's Hope it. you've enjoyed the show. Episode um, number 14. And if you want to... A copy of Carl Frotch's biography signed by Garrett. <laughs> um, then write in to the show explaining and, why you should have it. And a uh, best answer. Best answer I'll gets wing it. it off and and wing if, it off on the if all the answers are a bit shit, then we're going to roll it over to next week and give it like a proper. Yeah, but and, another. And we'll we'll get your dad in to do a bit of DIY. Work. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that into the mix. Yeah. That could be... That's it. You've got to have more than just the prize has to double. So you get a copy of Carl Frotch's autobiography signed by you and you get your dad going round to do an odd job round He house. does. He now he's retired. He does look for a bit of stuff today. So, uh, All right. But there he is. He's over in Ireland, isn't he? He is, but he'll come over for that. Oh, he'll come over. <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. international audience, maybe. All right, so if you want to hit us up, Twitter, Punch Drunk Pod, and... Um, Facebook, we're on the Punch Drop Podcast. Yeah, another bit of pieces. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. Peace, see you later. What it is.